welcome to the Woman by Definition podcast. This episode is part of a series called Commodifying Human Nature, where with guests I explore commercial surrogacy and its impact on women and children. I interview Tony, who was a commercial surrogate. She belongs to the campaign group called Stop Surrogacy Now. It's an advocacy group who believe that surrogacy should be stopped because it is an abuse of women and children's human rights. They are women and men of diverse ethnic, religious, cultural and social economic backgrounds from all regions of the world. Here's Tony. very much for agreeing to come and talk to me on what I think is an absolutely huge global issue that that lots of people uh, don't talk about and that is commercial surrogacy. Can you tell us what, you're very welcome, can you tell us what your involvement has been in um, what we call an industry um, and how it happened and just just tell people your story because I think it's incredibly powerful. Um, yeah, so back in, excuse me if I forget dates um, with the whole quarantine going on and my, everything kind of mushes together. So um, back in 2016, I believe it was, um, my husband and I kind of rethought about having a family together. We had experienced a lot of loss and it got me thinking about having a family again. And I knew at that time, the only way that I could have a family was through IVF. And IVF, as so many of us know, is really, really, really expensive. And it's not a guarantee. But um, I thought what um, a good deed that we could do if we were to have a child for someone who was kind of going through the same similar situations that we were. And then in turn, they can pay for an IVF treatment. Now, granted, um, it might not have taken the first time, but I, I felt like all we needed was one time. So I discussed it with my husband, kind of just threw it on him and I kind of went full force. I mean, not even really giving him time to think about it. And I found an ad on Craigslist. It was a couple who was in Cedar Rapids looking for a surrogate to carry a child for them. And I contacted them and um, the, uh, I'm going to say their name since they have put their name out there. Um, The Montanovers, Chantel contacted me and um, we discussed a few things and we decided to meet up for dinner. Um, And, and, let me let me say this first. I did explain to them in the beginning over the phone that our race, um, my 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 nationality, my husband's nationality, everything like that, and they were fine with that. So we met up, had dinner, and they told us the story about how they were childhood sweethearts. They um, had separated um, and ended up marrying other people and having children with them, and then now they were back together and they wanted to have a child together. They were an older couple, um, way in their 50s, but I didn't see anything wrong with that because my heart was set on they wanted to have a child and we wanted to have a child. And so I didn't really put any thought in the age, right? So um, 
we had a nice dinner, had a nice discussion. Um, they asked us what we wanted in return um, because I know now <laughs> I know that surrogates can get paid a lot of money for that, but we weren't in it for that. We were uh, financially stable as far as taking care of our bills on a daily basis, monthly basis, but coming up with that lump sum to take care of an IVF treatment, we didn't have. So I said, all we want is just one, one cycle at IVF. And they were like, are you sure? I was like, yeah, that's all we want. That's it. And we agreed to that. And to kind of fast forward, they decided to use us or use me. Um, and they had said that they had already had an egg donor, um, that it was going to be called sperm. They had an egg donor because Chantel couldn't, she had a complete hysterectomy. So she wasn't going to have any parts in it at all. All right. So we go through the process. Everything seemed to be perfect. Um, we were going back and forth. Um, they said that all of the trips would be taken care of because it was in an IVF clinic in Chicago. They were going to take care of all the transportation, all the hotel stays, X, Y, X, Y, Z. Everything sounded perfect. What could go wrong, right? So we started to go up to the clinic. Um, they did testing on me. Um, everything was fine. I can keep the child. And my naivety of it, of surrogacy altogether. I was like, oh, well, can we just do both of them together? Like, go ahead and get you guys' eggs ready and then get my eggs ready. And because we'll be able to tell which baby's which, I'm sure of it. <laughs> you know, with my husband being of uh, his descent and me of me and they're, you know, Caucasian. So we will definitely be able to tell which baby belongs to who. I, I didn't know anything about surrogacy. And they were like, no, no, we can't do that. I was like, okay, well, I was just trying to make it easier for everyone. They were dead set on only having one child. Um, she's had twins before, and she's told me that she couldn't give love. Um, she didn't feel like she could give the love to each one. I, how she explained it was kind of weird. So they were dead set on doing one. And I said, are you sure? Because being in the consultations with the doctor and the, um, the coordinator for the surrogacy uh, agency said that you need to try your, your uh, best chance possible and you need to maybe transfer more than one egg to give you the best chance of one taking. And they were like, no, no, we're just gonna do one. We're just gonna do one. I said, are you sure? They were like, yeah, because they were dead set on not wanting twins. And um, the day of the transfer, now, mind you, I'm, I'm sorry, I have to go back and forth a little bit, but, you know, they said that my husband can be there with me 100% to be my um, support system. Um, well, right before the transfer, which was on an Easter Sunday back in 2016, March 31st, um, I'll never forget that because Easter was in March that year, um, but uh, they told us that he couldn't come with us, that she just wanted to be her and I, that Paul wasn't going to go. She wanted us to bond. I kind of felt kind of weird about that, but I said, okay, you know what? It is gives me a good chance to kind of bond with her. We were going to be up there the whole weekend. Um, so the day of transfer, she decided, they decided that they wanted to do two eggs transfer instead of the one. So I was like, okay, um, both took, both took <laughs> immediately. And I could literally feel them take it was the strangest thing right and um as soon um as they found out i was pregnant um things that's where things started to change um 
I started bleeding at like six weeks, I think it was, or I, I can't remember how far along it was. It might've been before then, but I started bleeding really bad and I didn't want to worry them. And I called the agency and they were like, oh, it's normal. Um, you know, when implantation happens, it could cause some bleeding, but this was a lot of bleeding. And so I was worried and they were like, oh no, just take bed rest, you'll be fine. And I didn't want to worry the intended parents. So when my husband got home from work that day, I said, you know what? maybe we should go to the hospital and, and make sure everything's okay. Cause it's, it's a lot of blood. And we went and um, immediately when they did the ultrasound, I didn't see just one sack. I saw two gestational sacks. It was wow. very evident. And I was like, wow. So there's two, everything was fine. Um, as soon as I got in the car, leaving the ER, I contacted the intended parent and to let them know the next day, is when the Chantel Montnover contacted me and said that this was their pregnancy. Um, I didn't have any right to go to the hospital without them, uh, without letting them know. They hired me. Um, I was supposed to obey them or I should be saying yes, ma'am, to her. And maybe I am getting my dates mixed up a little bit. She did send me a hateful email with all that in it. And I don't remember the time frame in between okay, when I went to the hospital. But I do have the email where she sent me and she's like, I was just, it, it, it just changed. It just changed from everything's going good. Everything's positive. I'm doing, I think, a good thing for someone to, we're the worst people and the scum of the earth. I dare you go to the hospital without, con you know, contacting us first. And who do you think you are? And matter of fact, the doctors at the clinic said you should be saying yes, ma'am, to me. And I, at that point, I was like, okay, you know, I, I can't talk to you anymore. I need to have communications with your husband because this is his sperm. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if you're having a hard time dealing with this, but I think maybe it's best for me to talk to him. And of course he contacted me. He said he didn't think anything, there was anything wrong with his, the way that his wife approached me. Um, and that um, they no longer wanted my husband to go to any doctor's appointments with me on that this was their pregnancy. They said that numerous of times that this was their baby. This was their pregnancy. We make the decisions, we hired you. So I did respond back to him and I said, you know, if no, if my husband can't be in the doctor's visits with me, no one's going to be in there with me. You know, um, we had one more appointment um, after this conversation. So driving to Chicago was very uncomfortable with them, but we drove up and drove back. And that was the last time I saw them. And that was very early into the pregnancy and it just got worse. Um, now to back up a little bit more, my husband and I, we didn't have an attorney, uh, because what, what could go wrong? What can go wrong in a situation where you're giving life for someone who desires it so much, right? Um, so we didn't have an attorney, um, but it got to the point where we had to find an attorney because I had to cut off all communications with them. I mean, the husband started to be, to be very, very like, disrespectful um they were I, I and i we still can't decide even after these years why they were trying to put so much stress on me if maybe the financial part of it um was getting to them um 
But when I say stress, I mean, they hired private investigators to follow us every time we left our house. Um, someone tried to break into our house when we were on holiday. Um, what else happened? Uh, they contacted my family members. They contacted my husband's family members. They contacted my husband's family members, family members of, you know, it was, it was just crazy. And I, all that time kept trying to put myself in her shoes because the majority of it, I believe was coming from her. Um, maybe she felt some type of way because she, there wasn't really a connection. It wasn't her egg. And here I am pregnant with her husband's child. I, I don't, I don't know. I tried every way possible to feel or, or try to figure out why they were doing the things that they were doing, knowing that I was not only pregnant, but I was pregnant with twins. Yeah, um, yeah. I couldn't figure it out, but we had to keep changing our numbers because they would get our number and contact us. Even though after we had an attorney and our attorney contacted their attorney and said, let's have all conversation. Let's us be the middle guy. And they still wouldn't let it be. Um, so <laughs> finally, um, they got my email address because I had to change my email again. Um, and she sent me a long email CCing not only her attorney, but my attorney as well. And she let this long list of things go. Now, this is after they've contacted our family and spewed lies by saying I was a, not a one time, a two time, but a, a three time felon. And that my husband and I were going to kidnap the baby because blonde hair and blue-eyed babies go for a lot of money on the black market. It was like, and this is what they're telling our family in print, you know? I was like, what? What? Like, oh, I I don't know where the, the craziness came from, but okay, yeah, we're just yeah. going to ignore it. And let's just let this get, get through because supposedly their $13,000, which was going to be the cost for us to go to the same clinic to have the IVF treatment done, was already in escrow. But after they started to become very, very much more unstable um, and then getting that clinic involved, I didn't feel longer um, secure with using that same clinic. We're talking about my only chance at having an IVF treatment. And I expressed this to my attorney. I said, who's to say that they're gonna do what they're supposed, if they're siding with the attendant parents, I'm not, sure what's going on, but I don't feel comfortable going there anymore. So I feel like we have to find somewhere else to yeah. get our, our IVF treatment through. And he told us to go through it, look for another um, IVF clinic, which we did, which was, I think $13,000 went to 30,000 or 25 with the one time. So, so I sent that information that my attorney asked me for to him. He in turn, sent it to the attendant parents without my permission, but this is communication between attorney client privilege that he sent to them. And so then if you guys look at the story, they try to say that we tried to extort more money from them. That's not the case. What we tried to do was have our fair shot at having an IVF treatment and no one in their right mind would use the same clinic that they're calling and telling all kinds of lies to. I'm, I'm not gonna do that. So that's where that whole extortion comes in. That's yeah. not what that was. That's not what that was at all. We were just trying to go to another IVF clinic to have our, our fair shot. So when she sent that email, I mind you now I'm about six months pregnant. So this has been going on from just 
four, five, six weeks that I hadn't talked to him when I was first pregnant, all the way to now I'm six months pregnant. So we were going through it for a long time and, and the stress was unbelievable. And I, I bit my tongue and kept my composure and would only contact my attorney. But when she sent that long, disgusting email and CC'd my attorney, her attorney, I, I couldn't I couldn't take it anymore. And so I responded back and I said, you know what? I'm glad you CC'd our attorneys. That way I don't have to repeat myself. And I just let loose. And it was about an all day back and forth, back and forth. And um, I finally called her on the phone, which I had a recording of because I was recording everything at the time. Um, I said, Chantel, can you can you tell me what happened? Like, I just want to know what happened, what yeah. changed. And she's like, well, you lied to us. You said you were God-fearing. and blah. I was like, well, well, but what has changed? I'm not, I'm not sure what you're... And she just kept saying all this stuff that didn't matter and was untrue about the whole felony, uh, about the whole... Just everything. And I'm like, Chantel, this is not the case. I'm like, what's going... What changed between us? What happened? And, and nothing was resolved. Um, she ended up, um, calling me the N word on that phone call and this, uh, call in the email happened the day after her husband, um, sent my sister-in-law a Facebook message calling my husband a dirty effing Mexican and that they didn't want him here anymore. And so the next day when she, yeah, the next day when she sent that email or that email and I talked to her. And she called me the N word later on that night. It just got me thinking like after everything that they did, the whole lies, the following, uh, making me feel like I was a prisoner in my own home. Um, numerous of things, notes on our cars, um, the, someone trying to break into our house when we were on holiday, all everything that they've done, they did to that point, I still was going to give the babies to them. When they started spewing the hate, that's when I said, you know what? I, I can't, I, I can't, I cannot, I can't give these babies to them. If they're spewing this hate now, what's to say if a couple years from now, if one of the babies do something bad and he's remembering that they came from a nigger, excuse my language, but that's how you said it. And if something happens to them, I'm not gonna be able to forgive myself. I mean. Why are they spewing this hate now? I don't. And so at that point, I said, you know what? I, I can't do it. And I contacted my local police and I told them my, the story. And I said, you know what? The contract's over. I feel like it's null and void. I'm, I'm done with this. And they contacted them and I didn't hear from them again. Um, unfortunately, a week later, um, I ended up in preterm labor. And uh, <clears throat> I had to get the babies uh, delivered via C-section and um, I named them Haley and Kaylee. And we lost Kaylee, Kaylee um, eight days later. And my husband was opposed to me fighting for the babies um, until he saw how I reacted to Kaylee. <clears throat> I and at that point, he decided to band with me and, and fight with me to protect Haley. And um, I stayed in that hospital from August 31st all the way into November until I was forced to leave uh, because they 
were able to go to court with the contract and show a judge that I signed this contract. And um, basically they were able to put in an ex parte order to have me removed or try to have me removed from the hospital. Now, uh, the one thing that I want everybody to know, um, the Iowa law at that time was gestational carrier, which what I was, was against the law. Now, I didn't know this. What we were doing at the time, the way that the law was written on Iowa books was completing, all of us was completing a class C felony. They had an exception on the books at the time for surrogates who used their own eggs. If they wanted to be a surrogate with their own egg, that's not selling a child. What we were doing was selling a child, right? So how can anybody, a court of law, force us to commit a felony? It's a funny thing, isn't it? That um, I, I didn't want to interrupt before, but I, I just want to say I'm, I'm very sorry that you, you lost Kaylee. Um, I, I didn't want that to go unchecked, but it just, it, it's true. How, how did they get away with enabling somebody to commit a felony? I don't know. It, it's still, you know, I don't know. And, you know, a lot of it is weird now that I, I, well, a lot of it makes sense, I should say, looking back on how everything happened, because in the contract, they said that if anything ever happened, that we had to go to their county to fight, right? To go to court, we had to go to their their county for the adoption and all that. Now it all makes sense. I I really believe honestly that they they knew people higher ups um, because there's no way there's no way that anybody should have been able. It, it, Iowa law, I had the child. My that's considered my child. Since my husband and I are married, he is considered the father. That's how how that's how it was written. Um, and I don't want people to think that I went in here thinking about keeping their their child, their children. That wasn't the case. When everything happened the way that it did, and after they started spewing that hate, it, I felt like it was my moral duty to protect those kids. Mm. Um, they were not biologically mine. Yes, I know that. But I did um, felt um, obligated once I saw the behaviors of those intended parents to protect them. Yeah. Um, and I was able to fight for kids that were not biologically mine. When Haley and Kaylee came out and I saw them, I felt that motherly instinct. Of course. Then, right then. Um, my whole view on surrogacy, even though I didn't know anything about it then, but I, I wish I would have known what I know now. Um, during this um, Stop Surrogacy Now, which I'm involved with, um, the stories that I've heard and the, the women that I have met, if I would have known a fraction of what I know now, I never would have done it. You hear about the Hollywood um, elite, 
who are hiring people to have their children because they don't want to do whatever they can't, or they just don't want to go through the stress in their body or, um, but that, that's all the roses of the story, right? You don't, you never hear the bad. And there's a yeah. lot of bad. I, well, I often, often you don't hear about the mother. You don't hear about, you know, I know that there've been conversations in law over the last couple of decades about what we call somebody who carries babies. Um, and the word mother is, uh, you know, you called yourself a gestational carrier. Um, and so that sort of erasure of language makes it much easier for us to facilitate this, um, this whole industry. So do you, uh, on reflection, um, have the laws change in Iowa now? So now people can, like the thing that you inadvertently broke the law with was actually probably quite a good law. And it protected women like yourself because at the end of that pregnancy, you're still the just the, the genetic parent. So has the law changed now, do you know? Oh yeah, we, so now the way that it's written on the books, the attendant parent that is not biologically related to the child would still have to go through the adoption process. But yeah, it's no longer the exception. Now it's, it's, it's legal now, um, right. which kind of, it bothers me um, in more ways than one, um, which it, it, here's the thing, it, you know what, <laughs> my thoughts of it, it, it doesn't matter what the law is on the books because they can be changed at any time. So, I mean, just because they changed it, <laughs> it the laws were one way when I was doing this and some judge wrote an opinion and now, I mean, we did take it to the United States Supreme Court, the Iowa Supreme Court, I'm sorry. And they, they wrote their opinion as well, um, not knowing the, future, the, the full story because I was so silent. I couldn't tell my story, no. you know? So they had their opinion based off what the attendant parents and their attorney said. I mean, their attorney got on the stand, even though she wasn't their attorney at the time, right, at, at that point anymore, but she still got on the, on the stand and perjured herself big time. Um, I recorded our conversation that day that I called her and she told a bald face lie, multiple on the stand, but nothing ever came of that. I did not go against my attorney. I did, I did fire him, but you know, I could have had him disbarred I'm not, I wasn't in this to try to ruin anybody's life, but when you sit there and I, I could firmly believe in karma, I firmly believe in karma, you know? So do I have big time, hopes. I have big hopes for karma. Oh, <laughs> oh, karma, karma. If I, if I, yes, I believe in karma, but during this whole um, ordeal with, especially Chantel, because I didn't really have that much communication with Paul one-on-one, -on -one, but she spewed some nasty things to me. I mean, um, yes, my husband and I lived, we rented a house for eight years, but she tried to make me feel bad because we were renting. And I'm like, we rent for eight years at 850 a month, but we haven't bought a house because we're not sure if we're gonna, but I, I was a, I was horrible. I was the scum of the earth because I didn't own any property, right? Um, I was just this horrible person because X, Y, X, Y, Z. Well, karma 
two months after the United States Supreme Court decided not to hear our case, Paul and Chantel are now divorced. Karma, karma, eight months after all that, she's being evicted from an apartment. Five day eviction notice. Um, does that make me feel good? I will lie to you if I told you it didn't, but my only concern now is with Haley. Where's Haley? Haley, yeah. her, her father was Paul, but I, I really firmly believe that, that Chantel still has her. And if she has her, what type of life is that? To have a, a three-year-old, almost four-year-old, um, no, for almost five. <laughs> how, 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 no, four. How is that to have a child be evicted and not have any place to stay? No. Can I just ask, I don't know if you're going to be able to answer this, but uh, with the legal situation, had they pressed charges, had they decided that it was uh, something that they wanted to proceed, who would have been breaking the law? And, and what role did the agency have? So would, would it just be you that would be a criminal? Or would they be criminals as well for exploiting you? And, and throughout this, you've mentioned the agency a couple of times. Were they just, did they just arrange stuff or did they, were they supposed to support you? No, they just arranged things. Okay. Um, I didn't feel any support from them whatsoever. I, I never once thought to go to them for support because that's who the attendant parents chose. So ultimately, just like any type of surrogate or gestational carrier, we don't have a say-so um, in anything. Um, the agencies, the attorneys, they all, the doctors, they all work for the attendant parents. That's where the money's coming from. Yeah. That's where the, that's where the danger lies, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, in this country now, we are, I mean, I've only heard about the NHS providing a surrogate to a gay male couple. Um, I'm assuming the reason that's news is because they're a, they're a same-sex couple. I don't know if they've ever done surrogate, like commercial surrogates before on the NHS. But why, why have you chosen to speak out now, Tony? Um, I, and and I, I've not, I, I've kind of been in the background, but I've been doing other things in the background to try to stop this. But um, because I feel like this is why this happened. There's no other reason that um, this happened to me, but for me being able to speak and let other women know uh, the dangers that could happen. I, I didn't know that you could die from this. Yeah. You know, and there's so many, and we don't doubt about the women that are dying until there's a GoFundMe page set up. Yeah. yeah. And do you still have the, the contract that, that you signed with the agency? Does it talk about the risk to health? Oh, no. no. Oh, no. No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Matter of fact, um, we were left to give myself, my husband had to give me the injections. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. I still have lumps in my hips from those injections. I don't know what, um, I don't know what, what my future looks like as far as if 
um, having an egg that wasn't mine growing inside me, if that's going to, is that, if that's going to cause any issues in the, in the future, um, right. I have no idea. There's no, there's no studies on it. The people that are supposed to do the studies on it are the agencies, but they're not, they're not required to put the information out, um, about what they find wow. or they'll hide it a certain way. They're not going to let awesome. you know the dangers of it. It's, it's too many people making money off of this. You know, well, when I, I'm, I'm rhesus negative, and so actually, unbeknownst to me, all my children are rhesus negative, so I never needed the damned injections that I had throughout my pregnancies to stop me rejecting a positive, uh, a baby with positive blood. But can you tell people some of the things? Because obviously, you've now had your own baby, which is wonderful. Um, I've by the way, right? Absolutely fantastic. I'm, so delighted for you um but did you have to take sort of other hormones or anything else when you were pregnant with a, a different egg in your body what would what was the process um well because it it was a little bit different if i it was my eggs so the only thing i really had to inject myself with was progesterone um and uh, of course, before the transfer, take antibiotics, so nothing could go wrong there. But um, the only thing I had to take to maintain the pregnancy was progesterone. I did have to take uh, um, the LH. I can't think of a proper term for that medication. Um, That's okay. Yeah, I, I can't, it's, it's been a long time, but it, it, it was numerous injections. I mean, I had to go from the beginning of the transfer all the way up to the 12 weeks until I was up 12 weeks. And I, again, I didn't have any um, support. So I was Googling things to see when I should stop those progesterone shots um, to make sure everything was okay with the twins at that time. Wow. Do you think you'd feel differently about it if you'd if they hadn't been such horrendous humans? Do you think? I mean, I I I think I agree with you that it's it's terrible, but there is purpose to the fact that it it was terrible, and now it means that you see the the horrible side of surrogacy, so you can speak up against it. Um, have you met? other women that it's worked well for and they seemingly are unscathed by uh, being a surrogate well <clears throat> i haven't met um uh women that have had positive experience i have seen some of them um post their comments on the the gofundme that the Montnovers had set up because they lied and said that they had to pay enormous huge amounts of hospital bills which was untrue um, and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, but I, I do see the, I, I saw the comments that the surrogates that have never had a bad experience post and, uh, you know, I was despicable. How can you do something like this? It's such a beautiful thing. And to answer your first question, would I have thought differently if nothing happened? I, I, I have to say probably yes, because what 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 went wrong nothing went wrong I I gave life 
to somebody who wanted it. If it all was all roses, yes, of course, I would think differently. But not only my experience, um, but learning um, the other women's bad experiences. I'm talking people who have had um, babies for family members. Um, mm. I, 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 there's so many stories and you don't hear about them. Those are not glorified. They're not yeah. glorified like um, the Candy Burrises from Atlanta Housewives who just had a baby through a surrogate. Or, and they, Andy Cohen, who I was in New York to talk against, um, who had a baby through a surrogate and it worked well for him. Kudos. But I mean, even during this pandemic, you have Kumo passing a law for commercial gestational or commercial surrogacy in New York during a time like this. Since looking at this issue, I've read too much to ever think. So throughout this um, reading up on surrogacy, and I've always felt that I'm very uncomfortable about it, but more and more the more I read. And I just don't know how I feel at all about a baby being brought into the world without the bonding that, that happens in the womb, without the opportunity of that baby to be raised. Have, has it made you sort of broadly think about that holistically that, that maybe no surrogacy is, is okay? Or do you still think there are, there's, there's good surrogacy deals? No, I mean, uh, and I, the same thing that you just mentioned, the bonding, right? <clears throat> it makes me remember a conversation that I had with the Montanovers. There was at one point I told them, I said, when I get to my last trimester, I feel comfortable living with you guys. That way you guys can talk to my belly and be there and fill. And I, I had a conversation with them about that because I know that the babies need to hear, you know what I mean? Um, we never got to that point obviously but no there's no there's no um <laughs> there's no surrogacy that would work at all i mean there's there's so many kids out there that could be adopted right now yeah i mean i i just heard about a story of a surrogate who had a baby during this pandemic and the attendant parents are in china and they can't get over here to get the baby and so they contacted the mother who carried this child for nine months, asking her if they can keep the baby, if she could keep the baby until, you know, the lift is lifted to travel. And I'm thinking, well, she, that's her child. That's her yeah. child. Do you really think you're going to be able to separate that once that's happened? There's going to, I'm, I'm waiting to see the outcome of that story because she's yeah, even yeah. saying now in the news that she's bonding with the baby. So no, there's no, there's no surrogacy. There's no gestational carrier. There's nothing. Um, no, no, not, not to mention that it's, it's just dangerous. It's yeah, dangerous. Yeah. There was a, there was a mother that just died for, um, and she's had what two kids, a husband. Yeah. And well, I think there's 500 babies in the Ukraine because um, I guess I guess in poorer countries, there are there are more financial um, benefits mm -hmm. 
mm -hmm. carrying. And I'm guessing the American mother with the Chinese parents has, has probably been paid a lot. Um, you know, those, it's obscene. It really is obscene. And when I finally um, um, had my voice and was able to talk back again, um, and I, I did mention this, um, I did have an attorney finally um, to take us through the court process. It was Harold Cassidy. Um, he was the attorney that uh, um, had the um, baby M case back in New York. He had did the first surrogacy case ever um, in wow. New York. So that was my attorney. So I was muted. <laughs> but um, yeah, even after I was able to talk, you know, they don't want to hear my story. No, 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 no. We don't hear. We just want to hear their story, the attendant parent story, you know, because I, I don't know why. I don't know why, but I do know why. It's because there's so many people that would lose money. I mean, ugh, it's ridiculous. And the judge that, the first judge that we had in Iowa, he, uh, it's just so much. If, if, if you, if we were to get this out, um, if we had women like Gloria Allred, <laughs> I, I would love if she came on board with us. But if we had women like her, um, and other people who made this an issue, um, at least I, the only thing I'm asking is please put out there the risk. Yeah. The risk, at least do that, put the risk out there. And that's not even out there. You know, I did not know that I could die from this. Do you understand? I do. I, I, the more I get involved in any of these issues that, that have women at the center, that have women that that risk that are at risk at the center the more i just think i don't think we're seen as human which sounds really dramatic but do you know and i i'm, I'm sorry i'm gonna jump on something here do you know what the making gestational or surrogacy commercial surrogacy legal in new york do you know who that's going to target it yeah. the the minority women Oh, of course. Right? So do you know the, the alarming numbers that it is of an African-American female dying due childbirth? It's well, that's already an issue, right? That's an issue when they carry their own babies. Yes. Yes. So, yes. So if you start plastering billboards on Broadway about gestational surrogacy, you can get paid. I'm keep saying gestational, I'm sorry, about commercial surrogacy. You can get paid for doing something you've done before, right? What's, what can harm you? Because they're not going to tell you what can harm you. But you can make $60,000, $80,000 for carrying a child that's not yours, that you're not going to be responsible for, for nine months and just handing them over. But you're doing such a justice by giving a family or a gay couple or whoever a child that they can't have what good thing would you be doing? What good thing? Look at what you, and you're going to make all this money and you're going to be able to pay your bills and you're going to be able to get a car. You're going to be able, really? You're going to be able to pay for your kids that you've already got to go to college. Exactly. But I mean, look at the tobacco industry when they weren't putting the surgeon general warning on the labels. So why can't you do the same thing? Let us women all of us make a decision. Let us have all the facts out there. You're not mm. doing that. And that is what bothers me. Because if I would have known, like I say, that a fraction of what I know now, 
I never would have done it. Yeah. Never. No matter how bad I wanted my, my, my little girl that I have with my husband now, I, I never would have done it. Never would have done it. Mind you, I did it thinking that we couldn't afford an IVF treatment. We not only afforded not one, not two, but three rounds of IVF. We have since bought that house that Chantel said I was the scum of the earth because I didn't have my own property at that time. You know what I mean? So this is what lets me know, Posey, that I am doing the right thing. Yeah. Because you are. power is telling me, hey, I keep getting blessings on a daily basis. And so as long as I stay on this track by speaking and hopefully... If I change one person's mind, I, I've done what I was supposed to do, but I'm going to keep talking as long as I can. And I know I probably would get backlash from this, from the Montanovers, even though there'll be separate backlashes now, <laughs> but I know I would get a backlash for this and that's okay. Cause I can talk now. I can speak now. And it goes beyond Montanovers. It goes beyond myself. This is something really serious that someone, and when you have people like Andy Cohen or Candy Burris or the Kardashians mm. who are having babies by surrogates and they're just going, oh, it's nothing. We just hired someone to do it and it's fine. And now we have this beautiful, what about, can I, can I see what she looks like now? Does she bond with that baby? Is she suffering depression? What, what really happened? Because we hear your story. We hear your good story. But th was there anything bad that happened? Did you treat her like she was a slave? Did, she, did you tell her that she should be saying yes, ma'am, to you? Did you follow her around? Did you hire private investigators? Did you um, sit there and go towards her family and try to, I mean, when I say they even tried to find bad things on our family members, I, what really happened? Don't just put blinders over these women's eyes. Don't put blinders over our eyes because you're still saying to us that we're not important. We're just going to flash a little money in your face and say you can do this because you can. <laughs> you can do it. You, you can have a child. You can do that. So you're just, breed we're breeders. Yeah. Well, I think we, I think quite some time ago, we, we stopped uh, centering mothers, um, if we ever did. Maybe that, maybe that was a utopia that never actually existed, but we started separating the experience of motherhood from women um, and in lots of ways, in lots of language. But I, I think what you're doing is going to be remarkably important. Um, I'm, I'm working with the group that you, Stop Surrogacy Now, um, and we have stuff going on in the UK because we are on our way to allowing advertisers to target women and it's really interesting what you say that it's going to be minority women that are going to be targeted by um, the commercial sur surrogacy market because the same people that will champion the rights of celebrity couples and gay men to have babies are also the same people that will try and score virtue signaling points for talking about the rate of mortality for black women in labor in the United States. And we need to hold those people to account. Anybody that feels that the plight of black women um, through maternity care is worth talking about, they really need to address the surrogacy issue because they are going to be very, very much linked because pregnancies with other people's eggs are much higher risk, aren't they?
Oh yeah. And I'm not a, I'm not a conspiracy theorist by any means necessary, right? However, Como, you see him on TV all the time during this pandemic. You see all of the people who have lost their jobs during this pandemic. He chose to mention commercial surrogacy is now legal now. Can you imagine what the floodgates are gonna be like once this pandemic is over and the people, women, minorities that have lost their jobs I just want you to see how fast New York is going to become that hub of people from China and everywhere to go to, to pick off the minorities to carry their child for them because they're gonna, they're really gonna need the money now. Why are you, I, I just wanna, I would love to ask Koma, why, why are you mentioning that you, you made surrogacy or commercial surrogacy legal during a pandemic. I, I, it's funny, it's just isn't it? Disgusting. It's, it's just um, disgusting. Yeah, it is <laughs> disgusting. But I think you're probably onto something there. Yeah, yeah. it's it's. I I, I just I, you see him. I don't see. Okay, my governor. I'm not going to say where I am because I have moves. But anyway, my governor. I don't want the crazies after me. I'm just saying. <laughs> but my well, let me. So I see other governors on TV very, very seldom. I mean, but Como is like every day. He's like, or am I not? I mean, Como, you see him every day. I see him every day talking, talking every day. And I, I just, I don't know. I just, I just hope that we are able to, when I say able, women stop surrogacy now, we're able to um, get something done where women know the risk, the the deaths, everything that could happen and and give them the opportunity to make that decision themselves. I mean, I am not, I can't make a decision for anybody. You can make your own decision, but I think you have to have all the facts before you make that decision. And it's only it's only fair. Yeah. It's only fair. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining me. And I, I really wish you all the very best. Thank you. As always, please don't forget to like, subscribe and share. Thanks for listening.